welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And this week, well, uh, we are going to be talking about 1996's so-called parody, Spy Hard. Well, it is a parody. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be good to be a parody. That is true, and it is not good, and it is no, a parody. It so is, I guess not good. <laughs> yeah, I think we both said before we recorded that we actually preferred the 1967 Casino Royale over this movie. <laughs> I would watch Diamonds Are Forever five times in a row before I watched this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, um, this is the Leslie Nielsen vehicle that <laughs> was at a point when Leslie Nielsen needed to stop doing these movies, I'm afraid to say. He had a good run. Well, didn't he also do Mr. Magoo around this time? He did do Mr. Magoo, and I can't remember like when Dracula Dead and Loving It was uh, came out. You know, this is he he was still trying to do his shtick that he very successfully did. You know, with Airplane and Police Squad and uh, Naked Gun and those movies, right? And you know, those were the you know Zucker Abrams and Zucker heyday of these. The only way I can describe it is a Mad Magazine strip done as a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, with just these just joke after joke, and they're all over the place, and the whole screen is saturated with... And, and for the most part, they're actually really funny. This movie, on the other hand, uh, the script and story were by Rick Friedberg, Dick Chudnow, and also Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. And... Anyone who went to a movie in the late 90s and early 2000s will know Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer for their run of mostly terrible films. Uh, they came, they wrote this movie, and then they helped write the first scary movie with Keenan Ivory Wayans and, and those people, which was shockingly popular, I guess, when it came out. Yeah, I remember people really loved it. I've never actually seen it. They're making fun of Scream, which itself is a parody, so I didn't quite understand that. And wasn't Leslie Nielsen in one of the, at least one of the scary he movies? He might have been. I only saw the first one. I had no need to see the others. Okay, he was in the fourth scary movie. Ah, I did not watch that one. But what's remarkable to me is that Spy Hard, this movie, is the best-rated Friedberg and Seltzer solo movie on IMDb. Oh, boy. So this one rates at a 5.4. This is not... No, 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 no. This movie is nowhere near a 5.4. It's a 5.4 on IMDb. Not in my... I would rank it much lower. <laughs> I would too. But you get... In 2006, you get Date Movie. Date Movie was terrible. I have seen that one. Date Movie is a 2.8 on IMDb. Epic Movie, the next year... Also terrible. I have also seen that one. 2.4 on IMDb. Meet the Spartans, 2008. Did not see that one, did not care. 2.8 on IMDb. <laughs> Disaster Movie, 2008. 1.9 on IMDb. Okay, but I feel like these movies probably aren't any worse. It's just people are rising up to the fact that they're just making the same dumb movie over and over again. That is certainly part of it. They did Vampires Suck in 2010. It's a 3.4. The Starving Games in 2013. Oh, Jesus. 3.2. Best Night Ever, 2013, 4.0. Which, if I... It looks like a weird combination of The Hangover and uh, Bridesmaids, although Bridesmaids hadn't come out at that point, so I have no idea. 
Uh, and then Super Fast, which is a parody of the Fast and Furious movies in 2015, a 4.1. I think it's also worth pointing out this is the only movie that Rick Friedberg directed. Correct. It's not hard to see why. <laughs> oh, the direction was, well, non-existent? Yeah. It's, we're going to put the camera here and shoot something, and yeah. Oh, no. There, there's a, I, I just looked up uh, Friedberg and Seltzer. Yeah. Uh, they are currently in pre-production on Star Worlds episode XXXIVE, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi Who Went Rogue. Yeah, except if you go to that entry, it says under pre-production, a Star Wars spoof movie where the directors don't even know what the word parody means. It's a joke entry that I think somebody put in here, oh, making fun okay. of these two. <laughs> okay, then I, I no long, I'm no longer as bad. Here is the storyline, I'll just read the beginning of it. From the hacks who are so irrelevant, they don't even have their pictures on IMDb, that is true, or anywhere, comes their latest exploit of a genre beaten like a dead horse. So, somebody somehow got this into IMDb. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I feel better now. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow these people managed to make a string of terrible movies. They haven't made anything, as far as I can tell, since the mid-2010s. Thank it looks goodness. like the last one was was that super fast, super fast, yeah, fast and furious one, which had a four point one. Mm-hmm. It's uh, almost a that's almost a five point four. I have never heard of any of the actors in Super Fast. Uh, well, they hire D list actors for the most part in these movies. This is, I mean, it's shocking to me the people they got to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because. There are plenty of non-D-list actors in this movie. Yeah. Also, yeah, we'll, like... I, we'll get to them. Who in their right mind would ever cast Andy Griffith as a villain? Yeah, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> now, as much as I'm ragging on this movie, I think the first five minutes plus the credits might be the best part of the movie. And I mean, that's a low bar. The credits are absolutely the best part of the movie. The credits are so good. We'll get to those. Um... Well, that's because Weird Al actually does have talent. Yeah, Weird Al does have talent. And I'm, and I'm like, what are you doing in this movie, Weird Al? Getting paid. Yeah. I I do appreciate at the end, when you watch, if you watch the credits at the end of the movie, how he changes the lyrics so it's all in past tense. Yes, you just watched Spy Hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the, the intro sequence is a nice spoof. I like... Yeah. T I enjoy just the random Mr. T cameo. <laughs> Yep. And Alex Trebek giving him the voice on the tape, and that yeah. the tape self-destructs. I love Mission Impossible. Oh, right. I love Mission and Impossible. Blows up the helicopter with Mr. T in it. Yeah, and we learn uh, that he's Agent WD-40. I like that. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. And I very much <laughs> like the Roger Moore spoof. <laughs> Drinking the brandy and smoking the cigar yeah. on the parachute. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud maybe four times watching this movie. The first one was... The brandy, and then he drops the decanter on the guy's head. <laughs> yeah, I know! <laughs> but yeah, the, the first bit, like, I like the Bond parody music that's going on here. I like mm -hmm. the joke of him with the Yeah, I'm like, okay, this isn't terrible. Like, even, like, him setting fire to the, to the parachute as they run away and all. It's, it's fine. And I found it, I found the mime interrogation fair kind of amusing. Yeah. That this is where I'm starting to get this vibe of they're clearly trying to do the 
the same kind of style of airplane, uh-huh. but don't quite know how it, why it's funny. Yes. And, and I can't really put a finger on why this isn't as funny, other than it's not. Like, I couldn't tell you why the jokes in Airplane work and these don't, in, in some of the cases. Yeah. Uh, some of them I can certainly do. Uh, the joke coming up here definitely does feel like an airplane gag when they're boarding the helicopter and they have yes. the, uh, she's taking the tickets and stuff. As they're getting on the plane with the with the missile, yeah, and I I do like when WD forty is leaning behind that fence with you know his yeah. <laughs> with his sidekick there and uh, yep. and she looks over to him and or appears to be looking over to him and says, "My God, look at you! You're such an incredible man!" And it's really Fabio taking a <laughs> selfie selfie behind right standing right behind him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That was good, too. You mentioned Andy Griffith. Like, the first time I saw him, I had to go back because I thought it was Anthony Zerby. <laughs> <laughs> like, that fake beard and hair that he has in this beginning. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. And as he's flying away, he's reading Terrorist's Pride. Yes. Totally a real publication. It, and here we get, this is when they, they just throw in these random references where the guy's flying away in the helicopter, and he looks down at, and WD-40's there, and he has the word adios spelled out in rocks, like, from MASH. Yeah, that is an odd reference. That That's that's weird. Yeah, okay. And then, when the woman falls off the cliff, and WD-40 is holding on to her, yeah. and then his sleeve rips off, and his arm stretches. What the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, other than... Not funny. Not even slightly funny. And, and then, so she falls. Now, I gather that this is a lower budget film. Are the effects supposed to be terrible? I don't know. Or are they just bad because they're bad? I, I, and I don't know. It could be like, either one, honestly. Yeah. But we abruptly then go into the credits that are a wonderful send-up. Oh, yeah. The Thunderball the credits... credits. Are a great send up of the standard Bond credits sung by Weird Al. He yep. does a great job. A man of intrigue, he lives for the thrill. And people to kill Danger is the game he plays And he holds every card Cause if you wanna win You gotta spy hard A man of the world So suave and He trips over the women piled up at his feet But evil's lurking, so he's always on his guard Cause if you're gonna spy, you better spy hard Chips are beginning to fall 
If they kicked him and grabbed him and shot him and stabbed him and nailed both his ears to the wall. Facing I, 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 I love the goings on here. Like you have the trumpet guy under the water, the, the two naked women like collide and hit hit their heads. Yep. Um, and then you have the fat swimmer. You have the fat swimmers. You have like the random baby doll and the saw. And like, yeah, the, random the whole thing silhouettes. is great. Yeah. And then he holds the note forever and then his head explodes. So apparently Weird Al was planning to loop his, you know, holding that note. But it turned out that when he actually sang it, he, he actually was able to hold it the whole time. Really? Yes. So that is actually Weird Al holding that note that whole time. Huh. It, it's it's just a great parody of a Bond song that, you know, usually they sing about Bond and how great he is. And this time he's like, you know, his hours are flexible and he's got a great dental plan. And Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I really like, by the way, if you walked in late, allow me to reiterate, the name of this movie is Spy Hard. Yes. <laughs> and then they keep saying, you know, they call it Spy Hard. You're watching Spy Hard, which is like a riff on... Um, the end of Goldeneye, when he's like, he, he loves only yeah. gold, he loves gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And then he yep. holds the note and his head explodes. It's, yeah. The whole thing is it's, it's just brilliant. excellent. It's the best part of the movie by why, far. Yeah. yeah, why couldn't this have been the movie? <laughs> yeah, and then like we said, at the end of the movie, it's the lyrics are like, you know, it's the end of Spy Hard, you've just watched Spy Hard. <laughs> yes. It's great. Mm-hmm. But then the movie can has to continue. Does it have to? Yeah, it does. Like, first off, if you're sneaking in on a raft, it, you wouldn't use a bright yellow one. Um, no, of course not. But I do how like am the, I, how, how am, am I rafting? rafting? <laughs> <Yes>. 800-555-GLUB. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there are individual jokes in this movie that are funny. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't contribute to the story of the movie, which is part of the problem. The 3,500 evil deeds to date crossed out with 3,501. Yep. The delivery entrance, the service entrance, and then the intruder entrance. Intruder entrance with, like... <laughs> and, and like, the, the animal sounds in the background, and you find out it's a guard reading the the jungle calls for... Jungle calls for guards. Amaze your friends and girls love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By Quail and Bush. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke that people in the 21st century won't get. Nope. Like, that's a joke that I feel like was no longer relevant when this movie was made. In, in 96? No. <laughs> like, Bush had been out of office for four years at that point. Right. <laughs> they make plenty of irrelevant jokes, so they do. what do I know? And here we see Andy Griffith back without arms. Yes, and a, and we find out later without legs, too. Oh, yeah, the very end of the movie. Yeah. Yep. Arm me, he says. And they <laughs> yes, stick the arms does. on. <laughs> I get that this was supposed to be funny, but it's not. Mm-hmm. The, the guard, and you see the shadow and the guard saying, you know, don't even think about it, put the gun down. And then you see that it's actually a little person. It's like, why is this funny? Andy Griffith looks really freaking weird in this movie. He he does, and I don't know if that's just how he looked at the time or if they were just <laughs> making him especially weird. I don't... Like, was he doing any other acting at this time? This was post-Matlock. Yeah, right? I don't... I I don't know. Like, I assume this was post-Matlock. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe Matlock ran longer than I thought it did. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> 
know why the Matlock team stuck in my head. <laughs> He did stuff well into the 2000s. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, Matlock ran until 1995, so this so was this right was after. Just right after Matlock. I th- yeah. It's probably the hair. It's probably the dyed hair that's throwing me off. Wow, and now I'm realizing for the first time I th- that Diagnosis Murder was a Matlock spl- spinoff. I've st- it, no, Diagnosis Murder was not a Matlock spinoff. Diagnosis Murder was a Jake <laughs> and the Fat Man spinoff. But Matlock was in Diagnosis Murder, so they take place in the same universe. So it's a crossover. Okay. Okay, that's slightly better. <laughs> I watched a lot of Diagnosis Murder in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was, like, one of my family's favorite shows. I did not, so... I mean, Dick Van Dyke was good in that yeah. show. Oh, no, I've, I've heard great things. I just never... It was just one I never watched. Oh, man, there are so many murder mysteries from the 80s and 90s we could watch for the podcast. I would... Yeah. Well, we're going to spend, like, eight years watching Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> well, considering it was a weekly show and they did, what, thir- 12 or 13 seasons? <laughs> yeah. Back when they did, like, 30-episode seasons. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely seeing that. I mean, uh, I, I, start, I, I, I have started, in my personal non-podcast-related watching things, I have started watching ER from the beginning, and I'm facing that oh, same yeah. sort of daunting... task of 15 seasons like i did not actually realize that show ran until 2009 like i think of it as a 90s show (laughs) it's it's sort of like law and order in that they just kept swapping out people right like i mean for me law and order ended when jerry orbach was no longer on the show but it kept going for like that was like half of the show still had sam waterston they did through the very end yeah yeah sadly none, none of them are in this movie I would I would rather watch Law and Order than this movie. I agree. The this movie's cinematic crimes are especially heinous. <laughs> like why does what is why is Andy Griffith have like giant Popeye arms? <laughs> What's with the random guy reading a newspaper to get spit on and make the spitting image joke? Well, it's Eddie Deason, but I don't know what he's doing in this movie. <laughs> I, I really don't. Also, I also don't understand why, like, I like the joke of the U.S. Covert Operations Center is this giant thing, but then why are the dwarfs, the seven dwarfs? Why there? are the seven dwarfs there? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a joke that worked fine as it was. Yeah. It still would have worked without the seven dwarfs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, I Barry Bostwick. Um, uh-huh. Why is he talking like JFK on steroids? Apparently he hasn't seen the size of uh, some of our newer members. Uh, okay, I'm glad that I wasn't the only one that thought it was JFK. Like, I'm like, yeah. what? Like, I'm like, is he doing JFK? Like, no, that doesn't it's, make sense. It must be some other voice. Like it's me. Like, no. <laughs> but no, it's JFK. Why is it JFK? It's absolutely JFK. Like I thought it sounded like JFK, but I'm like, no, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense, even for this movie. It must be some other parody I don't get. No, that was my first thought too. Is JFK? Alright. And I got nothing. Yeah. And why is Charles Durning in this movie? Why is Charles Durning in this movie? The only running gag that I really like in this is like his hiding. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is legitimately funny. It's the ancient art of Oragatsi. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, like, well, why are why is anyone in this movie though? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, thankfully, this is not his last movie. N- what is his last movie? Uh, Bleeding Hearts. He played Santa Claus in 2015. Considering how he looks in this movie, I'm impressed he lived another 10 years. Another 20 years. Also, yeah. like, Robert Guillaume is in this movie, and, like, he's much too good for this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, there's just, no. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I mean, okay, so, which is worse? Charles Durning in this movie, or, um, or Charlton Heston in, uh... True lies. Well, at least they give Charles Durning something to do in this movie. And I wouldn't say any of his scenes are bad. No, I wouldn't say that either. Okay, so Charles Durning was in a 2015 movie, but he died in 2012. <laughs> so, apparently, that they had a lot of post-production on Bleeding Hearts. Okay. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but even so, I'm still impressed that he he doesn't, you know, he doesn't appear to be aging well in this movie. No. I like... After they play, this is another joke that lands for me. Like the, um, they they watch the general ranker tape and it zooms in on him and he's having this dramatic moment and there's like the strings going on in the background in like the soundtrack and then he looks over and there's like a guy with a violin right behind him playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we never that, see that a cat works. look at a nuclear explosion, so it's not that great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And, and then, so we, this is the trademark, if you want to call it that, of Friedberg and Seltzer movies, where they will just randomly make fun of another movie for no reason at all. Uh-huh. Which I'm glad you've seen this movie, because I didn't get it at all. It's, it's actually a really good movie. We should consider putting it on the list of non-parodies that we talk about. Okay. Uh, so the act, the actual movie is in the line of fire. It's, uh, Clint Eastwood is a... Secret Service agent guarding the president against a wannabe assassin who's played by John Malkovich. The, like, the balloon thing is right out of the movie. And then the rest is just stupid. The <laughs> mailman popping bubble wrap I hope was not in that movie. No, it was not. Is he supposed to be Newman? He kind of looks like Newman. That's what I'm saying. Like, is he supposed <laughs> to be Newman? He kind of looks like Newman and he's got, like, the Newman grin and... That, yeah. But they they couldn't hire what's-his-name? Oh, Wayne Knight was unavailable. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Knight, that's his name. Like, none of this is funny. No. You know, he does these, like, weird acrobatic things. He almost falls off the edge. He doesn't fall off the edge. He spends, like, five minutes tying the string around the bumper. Right. I mean, it's not five minutes, but it feels like it. It feels like it. I mean, we, we were both talking about, before we record, this isn't, this is a less than 90-minute movie. And it feels so much longer. We're only 15 minutes into it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'd rather watch Diamonds Are Forever five times. I would too. He does not save the president. And... He avoids getting shot. He does. putting... By shutting the Murphy bed. I guess. And he has a photo of himself. A giant photo... Framed photo of himself shooting golf. Yep. Okay, and I do like when when Robert Guillaume shows up here. Yep. And we go back a long way, don't we? Yeah, and then they show us <laughs> they show a flashback to like thirty seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was that good. That is good. That is very good. Why is he in this movie? I don't know. 
Like, why? But he's he, not in this movie for very long. Why did he agree to be in this movie? Why did any of them agree to be in this? Movie? A- anyway, so yeah, the, the, you know he refu- he's not gonna come back because he's done with that life. Yep. But then he has the videotape from General Ranker. He does. I do kind of like the name General Ranker. That's a General Ranker. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good uh, Bond esque villain name. Yes, and also a pun. Yeah. And this is how we find out that General Ranker has Barbara Dahl captured here. Mm-hmm. And Victoria Dahl was the only woman he ever loved. And what is this <sighs> flashback from? The Perils of Barbara Dahl? No. No, the the scene with him and the bicycle. What what movie is this? Oh, from? that's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay, I've also not seen that. Again, for... Why? Why have I not seen it? <laughs> no, why is this in there? Why Why is he... Why? Why? Who knows? Did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid ride a bicycle down a set of stairs? No, but he did ride a bicycle around like a goofball to the song. Okay. Was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid not a western? I thought it was a western. It was a western, yeah. No, the bicycle was a new invention. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a new thing, and he... They were selling it in town, and he bought one to show off to his, uh... Having a kid at 60, that's an accident. Having a piano fall on you, that's bad luck. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) Although, I do... I kind of like when the news reporter says, we're told that they're having to remove the driver's body from the oil pan of the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's that's kind of amusing. Uh, yeah. And then he gets on the phone and he says, operator, get me Washington. George? No, DC. I'm like, okay. <laughs> also funny. That is good. And I like the uh, text, you know, that just tells us the airport. Yes. I'm I, reaching... I... To, like, mention things that I like about this movie. I I will admit, I laughed at the gag when he drops his bag and he looks up and there's, like, the giant fake legs. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then it's not. We get Nicolette Sheridan anyway. There. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, you've been recently watching Columbo. Mm-hmm. Why is Robert Culp in this movie? Mm-hmm. Why not? Why is anyone I mean, in this movie? What What is the point of this stupid cameo? Like, other than... Was Robert Culp like in Columbo? Yeah, he's the guy that murdered the woman and with the terrible carpeting and had the reflection in his glasses. Oh, I don't recognize him without the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> he's in, like, three of them. Oh, okay. But, I mean, he's considerably older at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but then he, like, closes the tray table on his fingers and yeah, they stretch. Yeah, I guess that is the same guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this whole point, the per- as with so much of this movie, I don't know what the purpose of this scene is. No, because then he just goes and sits next to Nicolette Sheridan instead. Yeah, and he's got a standard thing where he just orders ridiculous drinks throughout the whole movie. Yep. Always and, with something, not something else. Right. And in this case, it's stirred, not beaten, and chilled, not frozen. And two of those little curly po- Poured, not decanted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which means the same thing. And so, like, this dialogue here... So this is 96. Mm-hmm. The dialogue where... You know, he sits down next to Nicholas Sheridan, uh, Agent Three Point One Four. Uh-huh. We find that we find out that later, uh, and he she says something like, "You always take matters into your own hands," and he's like, "Well, that things tend to end up in my hands." This sounds way less ridiculous having seen Die Another Day. <laughs> like, just the really bad 
double entendres that mm-hmm. they force into the movie. Like that was half of the script of Die Another Day. Yeah. So But this movie makes Die Another Day look really good. Yeah, true. And then he goes to the office and he's got the hat thing. Yeah. We and meet then, mischievous. Yes, mischievous. And then he goes into the director's office and no one appears to be there, but he's onto him. Mm-hmm. He sits in the director's chair, which is the director. <laughs> yes. Because he's practicing the ancient art of origatsi. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like this chair costume that he's wearing. Yeah. I hid for two weeks in my from my ex-wife's attorney in this outfit, he says. <laughs> <laughs> so why is Mischievous why is Mischievous now lounging on the desk in lingerie? Why not? It's that kind of movie. Yeah. And now we get the Q scene, basically. Yeah. And we, we see we meet Noggin, who is played by Admiral Nakamura from The Next Generation. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and we set fire to a Michael Jackson impersonator. Well, you know, because of the Pepsi commercial thing, right? I don't know the Pepsi commercial thing. When he got his hair set on fire. I don't remember this. Yeah, so Michael Jackson got his hair set on fire accidentally, obviously, it doing stuff, and that's funny. So oh, I didn't know that. that. I actually did not oh, know. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That was a pretty famous Michael Jackson moment, actually. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. Okay. Yeah, his hair got set on fire, and he got burned rather severely and everything, and it was a big, big thing. So we're going to reference that because it's funny. Is it, though? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean... I feel like the director looking at the lab tech wearing lingerie is slightly funnier, but not even that funny either. Yeah, and we find out that the briefcase is just a briefcase. Yes. No, it holds your papers and pens and things like that. And then there's the Welcome to Los Angeles sign. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Also, what's with the crossed out home of the Rams and the Raiders? Uh, Okay. Well, it wasn't then. Well, when were the Raiders ever in Los Angeles? They were in Los Angeles before they moved... Well, they were in Oakland, and then they moved to Los Angeles, and then they moved back to Oakland. And now they're moving to Now, now they have moved to Las Vegas. I did not realize the Raiders were ever in Los Angeles. Okay, now yeah. it makes sense. And the Rams. Okay. This, is, this shows you how much I know about sports. <laughs> Unless it's baseball, I don't know it. Uh. You can run, but you cannot hide unless you use the other cellular phone company. <laughs> Yes, I see that. I missed that before. <laughs> I I like the do you have a lighter bit. Yeah, that was good. Yes, but I don't inhale. Kabul. Uh, I am Kabul. <laughs> that was pretty good. I like the Kabul, like, his cars just <laughs> get worse and worse. Yes. Well, I mean, he has the Dodge. He has the... Yeah, no, it just... He has the really nice car at one point. Mm-hmm. Because he's got to rev that V8. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, so he goes to the hotel, and this is where he... I, I like Hotel Exorbitante. <laughs> it's like, ah, sure look like her, but she can't be too sure, so he keeps comparing the photo to the woman. Yep. Who we should say is played by uh, Talisa Soto, who was in License to Kill. Yes, she was. And now we yeah. get a racist martial arts scene. Mm-hmm. For some reason. No good reason. No. Like, also, like, he, like, jumps out the window and then comes out of the bathroom? What? Why not? Sure has a lot of bullets in her purse. Yeah. 
and a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yes! Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> and now he's... One condom, compliments of the Coca Cabana. Yes. So he knows to go to the Coca Cabana, but he can't get in because he's, well, old. Yeah, but he'll go in the back door. Doesn't notice that the guy has been shot. I like the guy that falls over into, like, the chalk outline, and then he moves his hand, so it's yes. in the chalk outline. <laughs> so then we get on the bus driven by Ray Charles. Right. Because we get to have a random speed reference here, too. Does Ray Charles drive the bus in speed? He does not. Okay. I have not seen speed. No, Ray Charles driving the bus is just supposed to be funny, because right, he's, he's blind at driving a bus. And the first, the, the punks that get on the bus, the first one looks like the punk from Star Trek Four. Kind of, yeah. I don't know if that's actually a Star Trek Four reference, but I I don't know. He would need to be playing a playing a carrying a boombox for it to really be a reference. I think. Re- yeah, I think so. No, the whole like where the last guy is like punk quiz hotshot, blah, 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 you know that that's like right out of Speed. I gotcha. Okay. Um, although it's Dennis Hopper in Speed, so it's better. I should probably watch Speed. I, I hear it's good. It's it's actually not bad. One thing I appreciate because I'm a dork that way is. They really do it. So, Bill Conti is the guy that wrote the music for the movie. But then he does a good job of copying the music from the movies they're making fun of here. So, this does sound like the soundtrack from Speed. And this, earlier, it sounds like the soundtrack from uh, In the Line of Fire. That doesn't make it any more funny. <laughs> but it's just a thing. I mean, they didn't have somebody doing like a wedding cake decoration on the bus and... All this stupid crap that they have in this movie. Yeah, what was the point of that? I don't know. Because it's funny. Is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) So now they're... Now they're in... They're getting dinner. Making fun of E.T. because they go in front of the moon. Yes. Yeah, and then they get off... They get off the bus. Yep. And he says, we must be famished, let's manger. And she says, that sounds good, but I'm hungry, let's eat first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just mildly amazing. Yeah. I also like when he says, tell me about yourself, and at that moment the waiter shows up and starts telling him about himself. I like yes. that. I like that it's Pat Morita. What else has Pat Morita been in? He's uh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never seen the Karate Kid. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen some movies, I swear. (laughs) And the the, uh, acronym word salad. Yes. I like that her pendant says pendant. (laughs) Yes. That's good, yes. I haven't seen many like these, and of course they zoom in on her cleavage. Of course, looking at her breasts, yeah. Yep. And then we... They dance, so we cut to a Pulp Fiction reference. Yes. Which is weird, but I actually really like how they gave Les- Leslie Nielsen a white John Travolta wig. Yeah. It, he looks like Jerry Goldsmith. He does look like Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a line you would only hear on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that other people have referenced Spy Hard, have done a podcast episode on Spy Hard, but I'm willing to bet that we're the only one that have compared <laughs> Leslie Nielsen to Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so they're 
doing the dance from Pulp Fiction. Yep. For no reason. Yep. They they dance and then the dance is over and they leave. Well, they don't leave quite. Yet I mean, they they, the they he- kill the I like to party guy. Yeah, the henchman shows up. Yeah. He's played by an actor whose name I don't know, but has been in a bunch of things. Yes. Yeah, I I had the same reaction. Like I've seen that guy in everything, but I don't know who it is. Yeah. I think I looked him up and then I still didn't. Oh, he's he's the guy in the Big Lebowski that pees on the rug. That rug really tied the room together. Exactly. I have seen that movie. <laughs> but no, I remember doing the exact same thing where I looked up the I'm guy. Not and like, oh yeah, him on IMDb. Does he not have a picture? I don't remember, but I know that I looked him up last time I watched this movie, and which was like three weeks ago. And <laughs> right. uh, it, it's it's the guy from the Big Lebowski that pees on the rug. Okay. And Kabul picks him up in like this old Citroen thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which. Maybe is a reference to uh, Free Eyes Only. I don't know. It maybe. And then he goes to find the director, and he starts beating on all the furniture. Or Barry Bostwick is going looking for the director and all the furniture. <laughs> yes, and talking in that weird Kennedy thing. Ah, what I don't understand is your insistence in keeping Steele on this assignment. He still is no closer to Renka, and we have who knows how little time left before Renka launches this satellite. You'd better let me take over this search. Yep, but the director is hiding inside of a painting of George Washington with Venetian blinds on the back of it. Okay, so I do like... uh, Sorry, uh, to go back just briefly. I like, in addition to hitting the, the... I like the party guy with the knife in the chest. They then use him as a battering ram on the door. I liked that too. Yeah. And I liked that the uh, cigarette person was cigarettes, cigars, throwing knives. That was also yeah. amusing. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Okay. But now back to, yes. And also the director is naked. Yeah. I'm going to take a guess and say that's not Charles Durning's butt. I'm almost positive that's not Charles <laughs> Durning's butt. That's a stunt butt. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to set up a f- argument between Barry Bostwick and the director, but who cares? No one cares. The director's hiding in the carpet. Yes. He somehow managed to hide in the carpet during that exam. Yep. Yeah. Ha, yeah. loser. And he painted his face at the same as well. I mean... Yep. yep. Sure. Absolutely. Definitely possible. And... Now we get to make fun of uh, True Lies, which we talked about a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, and I, I actually really, <laughs> this was well done. Um, yeah. Especially with the elevator part with the same people. You know, he goes to the elevator to go in and another horse comes out first. Yes, that's also good. It's the same people and the horse pees. I'm 95% sure that this is the same hotel. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, no, I'm positive it's the this same is, hotel. This is the same hotel. Yeah. No, it's definitely the same hotel. Because we, yeah, we just yeah, watched the, this. And I, yeah, we saw the same sequence. Yep. And he's, it's, yeah, the same old It's a different elevator, elevator, though. It is. But yeah, I, this was, this was well done. I, I enjoyed this part. I mean, I don't know why it's in the movie, but. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, this is a spy movie parody, so at least, so parodying True Lies actually makes sense. Yes. It makes more sense than any other movies. It makes more sense... Yeah, certainly makes more sense than Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But, I mean, in this version, the horse goes crashing through the brick wall. And then makes, like, a Mr. Ed noise. Yep. Whoa! Yeah. But the horse survives, goes into a pool. Into a pool that's, like, right there. 
And then he shows up in, in the jet. So, hey, at least it's a pool that's right there, which means you actually would survive that jump. That's true. To... Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, so the guy jumps over and lands on the jogger, who is probably the same jogger from before. Probably. And I like, I like how then the plane is on top of a billboard. Uh, yeah, and I like, I love that Leslie Nielsen is now in a Harrier, which is another True Lies yes. reference. That's on a billboard. Yes, yes it is. Ready for a change? Call 1-800-Marines. Yes. <laughs> like, why can't that be the movie? Yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. I will say I'm laughing more now than I was when I watched this movie just watching the movie. I mean, yeah, it's funny to laugh about something being terrible. True. Like, I laughed more when we talked about Casino Royale than when we watched it. That's fair. <laughs> Here we meet the Russian scientist guy played by Ilya Baskin who is like the Russian that guy oh, yeah, he's in every movie. So many things. <laughs> like if there's a movie that has more than three Russians in it, he's in it. Mm-hmm. Is this that where you find out that the macro chip Yeah, whatever that is. Can also be used for world peace, and they never explain how. Well the macro chip doesn't actually mean anything. It really doesn't. Uh yeah, this is where he gets like the hot rod car. And we meet an agent just so we can make fun of Home Alone for no reason at all. Yeah, so I, I, I'm i guessing the joke is that it is actually Macaulay Culkin, because they call him McClucky, and later the, uh, when, when they're like, when the bad guys are beating up on him, they're like mentioning movies, which I assume are Macaulay Culkin movies. Yeah, but it's not Macaulay Culkin. No, it would have been a lot funnier if it was actually... If he had Macaulay Culkin, he, well, he would have been too old. Yeah, he would have been too old at this point, yeah. But like, it does. Why? We do have the the good line when when WD forty asks asks to use the phone and asks if it's clean, and the kid <laughs> says, "I have a lady come comes in once a week to clean." Yes. <laughs> and then he gets on the phone with the director and asks the director if it's safe, and he says, "Just a minute, I'll use the cloaking device," and just puts a cloak <laughs> puts a, on. <laughs> yes, his jacket <laughs> over his head. <laughs> it's also not safe because there's like six people listening to the phone. Right. Yeah, the cloaking device was legitimately one of the times I laughed. Yeah, and the conversation uh, now that he has with Ka- with Kabul, uh, making sure that he's not the leak, he asks he asks Kabul who the director is, and Kabul's like, "I don't know, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you because I'm not the leak." <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, and then they're they're following the guy, but he keeps revving the engine because it's an American V8 and it's a beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, this like I feel like this could be funny, but it wasn't. When they like they get out of the car but keep pushing it, and that's like the joke. And it's like okay, that's, yeah, that should be funny. Yeah, but it's not. And now we get to the sister act portion of the movie. Correct. Why? The only good part about this is at the very end when the nun says sisters make them holy, and they you know start firing their guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I mean, sister act was four years ago. Well, when this movie came out. Why? Yeah, but when was Sister Act 2 back in The Habit? Ooh, good question. I Sister have Act seen back in The ones. Habit was only 93, so we're still three years out. Yeah, I have seen the Sister Act movies. They keep talking about making a third one, but I think that's a bad idea at this point. Yeah, and you get this weird, like, they're on a gurney. Yeah, for some reason. It feels like every movie from that era had, like, a weird I'm rolling downhill thing in yes. it. Yes. And I can't tell if it's... 
like, I mean, they did that in Moonraker, so I can't tell if that's a reference to that movie or not. I don't know, but the, uh, but the I Like to Party guy gets stabbed a couple more times. He does, yeah. And we have a reference to <laughs> Never Say Never Again. What do you throw? Oh, it's the urine. The urine samples in the nun's yes. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> the ice maker was odd. I wasn't yeah. sure if I thought it was funny or not. That's how I feel about a lot of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now Kabul's in an ambulance. Yep. And we see that WD-40 is gonna make Bula Loop. Make Bula Loop with Agent 3.14. Yes. And now we have the Home Alone section, which we knew was coming ever since we saw Macaulay Culkin. Well, the Macaulay Culkin lookalike. Of course. Well, if, I mean, first you get all the rocket footage. Mm-hmm. Including, like, the rockets blowing up. Right, because, you know, that's just standard Bula Loop effects. Yeah. I sort of like this bed with, like, the giant divot. I didn't notice the divot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, laying shit. in a giant yeah. divot. <laughs> how, did I, how did I miss that? <laughs> how did you miss the divot? <laughs> Why is that there? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, but we have the we have the home alone scene where the goons take the or the goons take the scientist, but he manages to yell where they're taking him. Right. And now Kabul is wearing a Bob Marley costume. Sure, why not? Cuz I mean his hair changes every time he's in the movie. Sure. But he says, I can look like anybody. The General Ranker's henchmen are dressed as indigenous people. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of this movie is unfortunate. Like, I don't know if this is funny in 1996 or not, but... Yeah, I think it's just not funny. And then he's fighting the the, the guy that peed yep. on the rug. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked the, you don't think I'm going to fall for the old bomb trick? Well, how about the old snake trick? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the person calling out every second until launch, that's got to be a reference to, um, uh, was it, Di it was Diamonds Are Forever, wasn't it? With the guy that was, like, really excited about... Oh, yeah, the, the ten seconds and counting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do like how it, they pan over and just some woman reading a script. Yes. And I like seeing him, like, suiting up and he's, you know, putting his yeah. Swiss Army knife and ice cream scoop and hair dryer and everything else. Yep. Yep. And then they immediately get captured. Of course. On my Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he's got the laser to get out of. Yep. So that worked out well. There's, there's a decent... James Bond-esque line where he says when Riker comes up to him he's like, I'd shake your hand but I don't know where it landed. Yes, that was pretty good. <laughs> and I like when Riker's arm blows off and it and all the fingers go down except the middle one. Yep. Of course they do. <laughs> and then we get Hulk Hogan for some reason. Yeah, because we gotta have a tag Was Hulk team Hogan thing? relevant in the mid-90s? Probably not. Which is why they got him, I'm imagining. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like he, Hulk Hogan was much more of an 80s thing. Yeah, definitely. But Hulk Hogan is unable to defeat the guy, so they tag in Dr. Joyce Brothers instead. Yeah, who I did not recognize because I had never heard of Dr. Joyce Brothers. Okay. I thought it was Hillary Clinton, because, you know, blonde woman in a pantsuit. <laughs> 
But I guess Dr. Joyce Brothers talks about bullies. Yeah. Is that was that a thing that she did? It was a thing she did, yeah. Okay, so then that makes sense. But she's been in other things. Like she I think she shows up in um I think it's the Naked Gun. Like she's one of the sports casters for during the baseball game, but I could be wrong. Okay, I also have not seen the Naked Gun. Oh, okay. I hear it's good. Yeah, it's better than this movie. <laughs> Low bar. Low bar, Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Riker goes to hit him with an axe and his arm falls off and he runs away and says, I'm, an, alone. Unarmed I'm an unarmed man. <laughs> yes. And I, I like, because this entire time, WD-40's arms have, are bound to his side, so he's doing everything yeah. with his mouth and his head. and Yep. It's, it's a good shtick, I guess. I guess. And he ends up pushing Riker onto the missile thing and... Yeah. And I like, uh, he's stuck on the missile and he's saying, Oh, well, you'll like space. You have lots of elbow room. Oh, whoops. You don't have any elbows. Yeah. And Ranker just, he puts a bomb on the missile. And then Ranker keeps talking about how he'll be back. Maybe he'll be missing some things, but he'll be back. And now... And then for some reason, Barry Bostwick decides to go in. Weirdo JFK shows up. Yeah. And he's get mad because Dick Steele has upstaged him. Yep. And the rocket takes off and then explodes, and that's the end of the movie. Thank God. Well, there's the quick thing where it hits an Apollo capsule and they have Houston, we have a problem. Uh, yeah, because that's funny. Is it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not always sure when you say that's funny, whether you mean it or not. <laughs> no, it, it, for this week, every time I say that's funny, it's not funny. <laughs> So, I think I was the one that said we had to watch this, and I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And not that I'm expecting a great denouement to this terrible movie, but I think this is worse than the ending of Thunderball, because the movie just kind of stops. I mean, I'm glad the movie stopped. I don't know. I really hate the ending of Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get to hear Weird Al again, at least. But I would rather watch Live and Let Die than this movie. Yeah, this 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 is the worst movie we've watched. This is one of the worst movies I have ever watched. Uh, yeah, I would go that far. Yeah, this is. I mean, we're we're laughing as we record this, but mostly because it's just laughably terrible. I, I did not watch this in one sitting because I couldn't. Okay. Like I just. There was, like, half an hour left in this movie, and I'm just like, I can't watch any more of this right now. (laughs) And it didn't get better. It did not get better. No. This is absolute trash. Never watch this movie if you haven't. We watched this movie so you don't have to. Yeah. Yes. We sacrificed, and you should not feel any need to follow in our footsteps. Yeah. But, hey, next week, we're going to talk about a better parody. Thank God. Yeah, we're kind of covering the parodies here, so next week is uh, the first Austin Powers movie, I think. International Man of Mystery. Yes. Yeah, the first Austin Powers movie, I believe, I think, is the best one. So, we're always running into, you know, me saying something and you saying I haven't seen that movie. I don't think I've seen Goldmember. It's not good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's better than Spy Hard. (laughs) That's not difficult. Every, everything we've seen is better than Spy Hard. 
Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like there's a there's a big drop in quality between Spy Who Shagged Me and Goldmember because I think Spy Who Shagged Me is still a decent movie. All uh, right. That said, I did rewatch International Man of Mystery a couple years ago, and I definitely felt like there were some things that don't hold up well. Like we as yeah. a society have moved past some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. But that is just gonna happen, especially with you know off-color comedies. Yeah, like, I I actually went ahead and watched the first Austin Powers movie because I needed to cleanse my palate from mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, yeah, like, it's interesting because it's clearly making a commentary on 60s movies mm-hmm. in a very 90s way. Right. That itself has become dated. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Honestly, one of my favorite jokes in Austin Powers, and it's, it's like, barely, it's, it's, I mean, it is a joke, but it's like, it's just, when he's first thawed out and they tell him the Cold War is over, he's like, oh, we finally showed those, those capitalist pig dogs what for, eh, comrade? (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's probably my favorite joke in that movie. Austin, we won. (laughs) Oh, yay, yay capitalism. (laughs) Also, who does number two work for? Is... Is... That is the second best thing I've seen uh, Tom Arnold in. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best thing you've seen Tom Arnold in? True Lies. Oh, right. Duh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, we'll talk about that more next week. Do you have anything more to say about Spy Hard? Or do you want to expunge it from your memory? I am expunging this from my memory and my hard drive when we hang up this call. <laughs> All right. However, License to Spiel will return next week with Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Groovy, baby. Groovy, baby.